Good morning. If you have a Bible and want to follow along in it, uh, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians, one of the bigger books of the New Testament, written by the Apostle Paul to a group of believers in Jesus in a place called Corinth. And today we're going to focus on bridge building, bridge building, spiritual bridge building. Physical bridges get us across physical gaps, and we all know about bridges around here because there are a lot of them. Uh, If you want to get to Portland or anywhere south of the border, you've got to cross a bridge. If you're on the east side over there and want to cross to the west side, you've got to go across a bridge. And uh, we appreciate those bridges, except when they go up. Um, Physical bridges, physical gaps. Well, to get across a spiritual gap, you need a spiritual bridge. And the deepest spiritual gap that we encounter is the gap between our Father in Heaven, the God who made us, and us, uh, a gap that we have created by our own sin, our own rebellion. And no amount of human effort, no amount of human ingenuity can bridge that gap. God himself had to do that. And that's exactly what we celebrated particularly a couple of weeks ago. We focused Good Friday, Jesus dying for our sins, and then Easter Sunday, Jesus rising from the dead to give us new life. Uh, But we really celebrate that every week. Um, Jesus took our guilt, the guilt of our sin, took it to the cross, and there justice was done. Perfect justice was done uh, so that the gap between us and our God would be bridged. 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous, Jesus, for us, the unrighteous, to bring you to God. If you've never understood why Jesus died on a cross, why he rose from the dead, that's, that's the answer, to bring you to God, to bridge the gap for you uh, between you and God. Jesus is the greatest of all bridge builders. But, sadly, uh, not everyone has crossed over his bridge. Many remain separated from Jesus and his love and his, his peace, his purpose for their lives. And that's why Jesus calls those of us who have crossed over, who have crossed the bridge, to be bridge builders. We're not building a different bridge, uh, somehow helping people get to God a different way, but we build bridges of relationship. That's what he's called us to do. Build bridges of relationship into people's lives so that they, too, can learn of the one true bridge, Jesus, and what he has accomplished for us. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we get to learn from a master bridge builder, the Apostle Paul. After he came to know Jesus, Paul spent the rest of his life building bridges into people's lives. 
uh, people from all different backgrounds, all different traditions, cultures. Uh, he built bridges so that people could cross over from spiritual death to spiritual life. He was absolutely passionate about that. And here in chapter 9, uh, we get to learn from his example about building bridges. Uh, the people he first wrote this to, the Corinthians, you know, they had gotten off track in, in so many ways uh, with their do-it-yourself spirituality. And one of the things they got off track on is they had lost sight of the importance of building these spiritual bridges. They were far more concerned with doing their own thing, being preoccupied with their own rights to do whatever they wanted to do. Um, and so Paul is reminding them what, what bridge building looks like uh, through his own example. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a reminder I definitely need because I too, I too get preoccupied with doing my own thing. I get preoccupied with my own concerns, my own freedom, and bridge building doesn't take the prominence in it life in my life that it should. And so I think this is a good reminder for us. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 9. Uh, today we're going to be looking at the first half of it, or two-thirds of it, verses 1 through 18. And as we read this, you might at first be thinking, well, what's this got to do with building bridges. Well, what you're going to see is Paul's from his own example. He's going to talk a lot about his rights as an apostle, and then he's going to talk about how he didn't use those rights for the greater good of building bridges, and that's, that's what we're going to learn from him. So here we go. 1 Corinthians 9, beginning at verse 1. Uh, there's a note sheet in your folder. It'll also be on the screen. Paul says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me, those who look at my life and criticize it. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers? Those are the half-brothers of Jesus and Cephas, that's Peter. Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right not to work for a living? Who serves it as, as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink its milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us, because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel, the good news of Christ. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple, and that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord, Jesus, has commanded 
that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. But I have not used any of these rights, and I'm not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me. For I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I'm compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I'm simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge. And so I do not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. So from Paul's example here, we're going to learn some ways to become better bridge builders. And I hope, I hope these are an encouragement to us to uh, remember the importance of bridge building spiritually into people's lives that they too might cross over God's bridge from death to life. So ways to become better bridge builders. First, reinforce what you say with what you do. Reinforce. Back up what you say with what you do. Back up your message with your life. Now, several times here, Paul talks about preaching or proclaiming the gospel, the good news. Now, you need to know, when he talks about preaching good news, the word there that's translated, preach good news, is one word. It, it just means tell or share the good news. I want you to know that because this is something that all Christians do. This is not simply, you know, people like me who stand up and do what I'm doing right now. So this isn't talking about, you know, preaching a sermon in an official capacity. This is sharing good news. And, and here's the point. This good news is a message. It's a message that gives life and gives hope and gives purpose to those who believe it and respond to it by putting their trust in the one the message is all about, Jesus the Messiah, who died for our sins and rose from the dead. And, and those of us who have believed that message, who have responded, who have crossed over now have the privilege and the responsibility to share that good news with others who haven't yet believed it so that they can believe it and become part of God's family as well. Paul says in Romans 1.16, look at these words, these are amazing. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, this good news about Jesus, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. That is amazing. The power of God to save everyone who believes. And because that's true, because it is this message that has this power to save everybody who believes it, it is absolutely critical that we don't distort or change the message in any way. Because people's lives are literally at stake. 
And this is why Paul says in another place, Galatians chapter 1, he says, if, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, other than the true gospel that you've already heard, if anybody changes that, he says, let that person be eternally condemned. Yikes! That is so strong. But see, that explains then. I mean, you, you just see how much is at stake in this message being shared clearly, without distortion, without change. And that explains why Paul was so careful in how he lived. Because he didn't want anything to mess up the message. It's just too much at stake here. Because it's not just what you say that matters, it's what you do. Your life, your life is a message. Your life is a message. How you live communicates a message. It communicates what you believe, what your values are. What is important to you by the choices you make, the things that you do? And as we've all been told, actions speak, what? How did you finish that? Louder than words. We all know that. And research confirms that. I was a communications major in college, and we studied this. And research shows that basically when you're nonverbal communication, that's what you do. When that conflicts with what you say, guess which one always wins? Nonverbal. Actions win every time. Because you and I assume, and rightly so, that what somebody does is a more accurate reflection of what they really believe than what they say. So when it comes to sharing Christ's good news, your behavior is going to do one of two things. It's either going to reinforce what you're saying, or it's going to undermine what you're saying. It's going to reinforce your bridge-building efforts, or it will undermine them. And Paul got this. He understood it very well, and it influenced how he lived. It, it influenced everything he did. As he says at the end of verse 12, he didn't want to do anything that would hinder undermine, mess up the good news of Christ. That's the guiding principle behind everything he says here. But see, the Corinthians, they'd lost sight of this. See, they were really into their rights. They were really into their freedom. Got all preoccupied with that. And, and they were just, we're going to live the way we want to live because we have the freedom to do that. They, we have the right. But see, Paul, and you see him talking a lot about rights here, he knew that there's something even more important than exercising our rights, far more important than exercising our rights, and that is following Jesus in loving God and loving people. Well, what's the most loving thing you can do for a person? The most loving thing you can do for somebody is to share with them the good news of Christ that they might be connected to the God who made them, that they might cross over from death to life. And so sharing the good news 
with our words and with our lives. And so that means making sure what you do reinforces what you say. And that's why that Paul, even though he had the right, and this is the particular issue he's talking about, the particular right he had, even though he had the right to be financially supported by the Corinthians, he didn't accept that support, he didn't use that right, because he knew that in their case, in their situation, that would potentially distort the message. You're going to find this hard to believe. This is going to sound weird. The Corinthians were actually upset with Paul for not taking their money. That bugged them. You say, well, that's weird. Well, you have to understand the culture. By refusing their financial support, Paul was actually going against the normal custom. It was normal for churches to meet the needs of the apostles and their families, other leaders, so that they could devote themselves full-time to the ministry they were doing. And that's actually the biblical pattern. Uh, Those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. That is, they should be supported by those who benefit from what they do. Uh, Paul knew that. He makes it very clear he knew it. He knew it as well as anybody, but he didn't do it. He supported himself when he was in Corinth. He made tents and sold tents. That was his trade, his vocation. And some people who didn't like him, didn't really consider him an apostle, which is why he talks about that so much here, they said, see, see, we told you he's not a real apostle. Look. He won't even take donations like the other guys. Can you imagine that being a scandal today? (laughs) Some some prominent Christian leader refuses to take an offering, and everybody freaks out. But that's what happened in Corinth. And that's why Paul is defending his decision not to accept their support. Now, he didn't always do it that way. Sometimes he did accept support from churches, other churches, and that made the Corinthians mad too. Look, he's inconsistent. The truth is, he was very consistent in this. He consistently did whatever he needed to do in a given situation to avoid messing up the message. And that could vary from situation to situation. And given what we know about the Corinthians, I'm not at all surprised that Paul refused to take their money. Sometimes people give to try to control with their giving. I can just see somebody, hey, hey Paul, here's a nice big check for your ministry. Oh, and by the way, you think you could tone it down a bit on that whole sin thing? That'd be great. I had a guy in my office years ago. He didn't like a certain decision (laughs) that the leaders were considering. And he actually said this. He said, well, maybe I'll just take my offering and give it somewhere else. As if I was going to say, oh, okay. That's right. We won't do what we believe is the right thing to do, but we believe God wants us to do because we'd rather have your money than do what's right. 
he, he wasn't happy when he left. But, but people do that. Now, I don't know if it was that or if it was something else, but for some reason, even though Paul had a right to their support, he, he had this suspicion that if he used that right, it would somehow undermine the message with them. And the message mattered to him far more than any right to their support or anything else for that matter. Um, he said he put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Okay. So how about us? How willing are we, those of us who've come to know Jesus, those of us who know that a big part of our responsibility is building bridges and communicating the message, how willing are we to flex? How willing are we to accommodate, to put up with anything rather than distort, hinder, mess up the message? How willing are we to forego something that we might actually have the right to do, but in a given situation, exercising that right could interfere with the message? See, it's a bigger principle than just money and how we handle That could be a big one, but it could be anything, anything in our lives that would distort the message, the good news of Christ. Back in the mid-1800s, Christians from Europe went to China to take the good news of Jesus to them. Well, that was really good. The only problem is they did some things that seriously undermined their message. And what they did was, under certain treaties between these European nations and China, they claimed certain rights and certain privileges. The only problem was these treaties were regarded by the Chinese as extremely unfair, extremely oppressive, because they had been entered into under duress under military threat, basically. And as a result, many Chinese people came to believe that the message of Christ was linked with exploitation. They went together. And the message of Christ somehow justified the strong exploiting the weaker. Well, of course, that's absolutely nonsense. The gospel has no such connections but that's how it, in fact, Jesus himself taught against, exploit. he condemned exploitation. But see, that's how it came to be understood. That's how it came to be seen because some Christians were not careful to reinforce what they said with how they lived, with what they did. So that's, that's an important principle of better bridge building. Make sure... Make sure our lives match the message. Now, that's not a call to perfection. We'll talk about that more a little bit, but you know, that, that's not what that means. But consistency. It's a principle of consistency. Another principle. Call this the principle of humility. See yourself as responsible, not as generous. See yourself as responsible, not as generous. 
Let me explain that. When we share the good news with others, that's not evidence of how good we are, how kind we are, how merciful we are, how generous we are. It's evidence of how good God is, how kind and merciful and generous he is. The gospel, this is so obvious, it feels ridiculous to even say it, but the gospel's his idea, it's not ours. And sharing it with other people, that's his idea, not ours. Jesus dying in our place, that demonstrates his love, not ours. 1 John 4.10 This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. God took the initiative. He sent his son to rescue us. And now he has sent us to take that good news to the whole world. That's his idea too. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I've got all authority. And here's what I'm doing with it. I'm, I'm giving you a command. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, the disciples, a believer in Jesus, follower of Jesus, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is a command, and it's still in effect because the end of the age hasn't come yet. So... When we're sharing the good news, what are we doing? We're fulfilling a responsibility. We're not doing somebody a favor because we're such great people. You are great people, but that's the point. Is it, it's a responsibility we're fulfilling. And when you know that, when you remember that, I'm fulfilling a responsibility. I'm doing what Jesus commanded. I'm, I'm doing my job. That helps keep you humble and humility is so critical in building bridges with people it's so critical so paul says in verse 16 when i preach the gospel i can't boast i'm compelled compelled by jesus he means jesus told me to woe to me if i don't preach the gospel that would be disobedience if I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. Like, if this was just me, sure, yeah, I, I deserve a reward for that, but it's not. If, I, if not voluntarily, and it isn't, I'm simply discharging the trust, the stewardship. I'm a servant doing what the master told me to do. So, he, he's saying, look, I'm not some generous benefactor here. I'm not some philanthropist doing a noble deed out of the goodness of my heart. I'm just a servant fulfilling the responsibility Jesus gave me. Yeah, Paul loved doing it. He loved doing it. But he had nothing to be proud about. He's just doing his job. That's humility. That's so important. Let's face it. Nobody wants to feel like you're stooping down from your, you know, exalted position to help them. That you think you're doing them a big favor to talk to them, 
to be friendly to them, to share the good news with them. That's pride. And pride so quickly ruins the bridges we're trying to build. If people sense we're looking down on them, they're not going to be receptive to the message. You know, Joe Aldrich years ago used to say it all the time. It's kind of almost a cliche, but people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So if you're a believer in Jesus today, I want you just to think about for a minute. Think back to the person who shared the good news with you. Because somebody did. How did they do it? I'm willing to bet they did not look down their nose at you and say, all right, listen up, you miserable sinner. I'm here to help you. No. No, somebody cared enough about you. Somebody cared enough about your eternal welfare that they served you. They built a bridge. The former president of Denver Seminary, Haddon Robinson, said this about bridge building. He said, Bridges are harder to construct than walls, but that doesn't alter this reality. Listen to this. Outsiders to faith are first drawn to Christians and then to Christ. Unfortunately, not all Christians attract. Some, like a magnet turned backwards, repel. Yet Christians who are alive to God, loving, caring, laughing, sharing, involved at the point of people's need, present an undeniable witness to Christ in their society. So see yourself as responsible, not as generous. Reinforce what you say with what you do. Now, I said a moment ago, okay, don't misunderstand. This is not a demand that you be perfect. Okay, remember, the gospel is good news for imperfect people. Not a single perfect person in this room. And we want people to know that the message is good news for imperfect people, broken people, messed up people. Okay, but... There are two extremes to avoid here. One extreme is being proud and pretending like we're sinless when we're not. But the other extreme is living as if sin is no big deal because Jesus forgives it. And so fighting sin is optional. No, 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 no. Both of those extremes are contrary to faith in Jesus. If we know him, then we will trust him enough to fight sin. Because he died to set us free from it. But if we know him, we'll also trust him to serve others with humility, to admit our failures and admit our need for the gospel. And we're not looking down at people we're serving them. So these are two 
two important ways to improve our bridge building. The principle of consistency, back up what we say with what we do, and the principle of humility. We're not generous benefactors here. We're servants fulfilling a trust that Jesus gave me. Important stuff. We'll look at some more the next time we come back to this passage in a couple of weeks. Right now, let's pray. Father, um, just want to be amazed. We want to feel just the, the significance, the importance of the bridge that you have built to us through your son, Jesus. And I'm really glad we get to celebrate that as we gather for communion here. And I'm just praying you will help us remember. Lord, I think it's a beautiful day, and I can think of all kinds of things that I'd just love to do today. And um, many times, building bridges to others to share the good news with them, it either feels impossible or it feels like it can wait. Lord, would you help us feel the urgency in spite of maybe how things appear? May we feel the urgency of people hearing your good news. May we pray for them, pray for opportunities, pray for open hearts. And Lord, will you help us be consistent? Will you help us back up what we say with what we do? And will you help us be humble, caring enough to serve? Lord, help us with these things. For your glory, for the glory of your Son, our Savior, we pray in his name.